0: When someone falls or strays, how do you react? Do you think, oh, how could they? Pastor Ed Taylor suggests praying instead.
1: There but by the grace of God go I. It can happen to us. It can happen to us very, very quickly. We can become very self-righteous. We can be very, become very hypercritical. We can become very hypocritical. When others fall around us, it should send us to our knees. It should send us to our knees, not just for them, but also for ourselves. You know, Lord, I'm so weak. If it wasn't for your grace and mercy, Lord, that would be me, and I don't want to go down that path. Listen, one of the fastest ways to fall is to think you won't fall.
0: This is amazing grace. Has happened more times than we can count someone we're used to seeing a church is no longer coming or you've raised your child in the ways of the Lord and now as an adult they are no longer walking with God how do we handle those that have strayed and how can we help the situation today on Abounding Grace Pastor Ed Taylor gives us five very practical ways that we can help those who have strayed we're in John chapter 8 and as we begin Pastor Ed recalls some Bible heroes who also strayed and came back
1: I mean, you think of David. He, as a king, he commits adultery, takes a woman to himself, a married woman, and then sets up a scheming, sets up a way so that her husband dies in battle because, you know, the adultery led to a child, and you got to cover that up, and he's trying to take care of things, and he thought he got away with it until his buddy Nathan came. And when his buddy Nathan showed up, oh, things changed because the truth was revealed I would say David strayed many times and yet what's the banner over his life? The same banner you want over your life, a man or a woman after God's own heart. I would say that string. How about Peter in the New Testament? Peter. Peter, what are you thinking? You denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Again under great pressure and duress, but he's still responsible for his own decision. Did Peter lose his salvation? No way. Did he lose his relationship with Jesus? No, he lost the benefits for temporarily. He didn't get to enjoy it. But as we've seen earlier, how is it that he could steady on? Because the Bible says he was kept by the power of God. He wrote that, the same one that denied, but then was restored. And ends up writing for us two letters. I mean, in the midst of his denial, could you have predicted that God would use him to write two letters that would be inspired in the Bible today? If we're not careful, we would have written him off. Now, oh, Peter, forget about it. Now you've denied it. It's too late. Not so. Peter strayed from the error, from the truth. He strayed committing an error in his life. So the term sinner, turns a sinner, could refer to a brother, to an unbeliever, to someone that's deceived, all of the above. I think if James was here today and we got to talk to the author of the letter, he would say, Stop sitting around debating it and arguing about it and go out and find as many strays as you can and love them back to the love of God. That's what I think. He's more practical. He's not interested in arguing. He's just entering his letter. Oh, by the way, guys, if you're out returning the strays, if you're out looking for those that are wandering around, if you're out capturing the attention of those that are aimlessly wandering. Hey, look, if you turn them back to the Lord, you are saving a soul from death and covering a multitude of sins. That's the kind of church you want to be a part of. When you stray, God knows. When you stray, God knows. He knows everything about you. He knows us, he loves us, and he wants us back. He knows you intimately. I read recently about a group of herdsmen in a third world country they took care of sheep but in their culture uh, they had no numbering system no ability to do math or anything like that and so it wouldn't be easy for them to count their sheep well how many do you have i have 100 you know one two three they didn't have a system like that so a missionary visitor came and recognized that and was curious so, you know if you can't count if you're not able to say how many you have how is it that you keep track of the animals how do you know how do you count them when you don't count And the shepherd responded very quickly and said, I quote, Sir, when they come back at night, I miss their face. Now, I don't know how they do that because I've seen sheep before and they're all pretty goofy looking to me. They all look the same. I don't know how they do that, but there's an intimacy about that. In one sense, I too relate with it because... You know, as the church has grown, one of the ways that I remember people is by their face. That, that is one. You know, there was a time in this church. Do you know there was a time in this church when I knew everybody's name? I knew their face and their name. I knew their kid's name and even what they named their brand new hamster. I knew that. I knew all about the church. It was, you know, 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, you know, up until about 100 people, 50 or 60 families or so. I was able to keep up with everyone and I was able to, to know and and interact and, and remember the names. But as the church continues to grow, that's just not possible. It's not possible. It's beyond my ability. It's beyond my ability uh, physically, personally, time. It's, I, I'm not able but i do remember it's not now now that just because i can't doesn't mean i don't make an effort to learn the wonderful people of our congregation by face you know how that works it works just like right now you generally you, you i don't know if you guys realize it but you generally sit in the same place and you generally come to the same service and I can see every face unless you're hiding from me I can see every face and all the way to the back I can see the faces in the back over there I can see the faces I, I see the faces and I put them in my mind I, I, as I'm teaching as I'm sharing the announcements I register those things in my mind and you know for you guys that used to hide before we had this up here I used to do this and I would come all the way over here and just find people see I don't do it now because look they can't find me oh yeah they can see where am I? sorry i did this earlier just to mess with him so where where am i i'm waiting oh i'm in the dark now so i used to walk, i used to use the whole stage uh until they started doing this and i could see people moving because you know how you are some of you right now you're even if i moved you're still moving like i'll find you we'll just move the camera on you and put you up there it's a fine but but I make a conscious effort to see faces, and you generally come to the same service. And so over the weeks that I'm here, I'm going to go, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so. And but pastors as well, I ask them to sit in the same areas generally so that they can be a part of the group. And, and that's how, because early on, that's how we remember people, because early on I just realized I'm not going to be capable of doing this. I, I want to, and I want to meet as many people as I can. I want to know them as many people as I can. And, and I still answer all my own email, and I still return my phone calls and um, the ones that I can. And, and I, I still want to be a part because I, I believe that the pastoral and the elders, the pastoral team and the elders of the church must be gifted with the gift of pastor-teacher in that order. There is room for teacher in the church. It's just not in the pastoral ministry. Pastors need to be Pastors. And pastors should be filling the elder role, the leadership role as well, because pastors care for the flock. Pastors care for the flock. And so when you're missed, when you're not here, I may not recognize you're not here. And maybe another pastor doesn't recognize you're here, but I take great comfort that the Lord God Almighty knows you're not here, and he loves you and cares for you, because ultimately we're all just under shepherds this isn't my church it's not our church the church belongs to jesus christ and he's a very good pastor he takes good care of his church but in my role in my role i want to disciple the men and women around me to know people i want to disciple our church you know because as as i take comfort that god knows you i take comfort that the pastoral team knows you i take comfort that the leaders know you but also understand you know each other you know each other. This is your church. So because you sit generally in the same place, people also next to you sit generally in the same place. And I, I bet you if you thought it through, the people you greet regularly are the same people generally. The same people. So let me ask you, when's the last time you found out what their name was? When's the last time you invited them out to lunch? When's the last time you shared a prayer request with them? When's the last time you said, hey, you have kids? Let I me mean, go down and meet your kids. I have kids too. When's the last time you connected with your own church family? It's not just my responsibility, this is your church family. I mean, we don't just do the greeting just to fill time, you know. It's like, oh, how much time are we greeting? Uh, hello, hello. I don't want to say hello. You know, I get it. It's not just. This is to connect you. It's like, you know, to really look someone in the eye and see, are you okay? Hey, what's going on? And and I know you can't do that with everyone, but can you do that with someone? Can you? You can. You can. You can get to know someone. You can get involved in a community group. You can begin to serve here. And and so. It comforts me that many of you are keeping track of one another. Some of you need to send an email out today. You haven't seen someone in a long time. You need to find out. You need to stop by their house on the way home. You need to make that phone call. You need to pray for them. You know, many times I pray, because I'm praying for our congregation. I'm praying for you by face. Yeah, you know, some that, they haven't been here. They usually sit back there, but I haven't seen them in a couple weeks. And so I'll start asking around, have you seen so-and-so? Uh, but they, they sit in the back over there, and, and they're usually here early. And all those kind of characteristics, you think we don't pay attention to that stuff. We pay very close attention to that. It's very important to us for the body of Christ. I don't know what Peter did when 3,000 people got saved, but I know that God enabled Peter to take care of 3,000 people. I know. I trust him. This is your church. This, these are your, this is your congregation. This is your fellowship family. And it's not just a responsibility for the pastor. It's your responsibility too. When you're missed, you're missed. You're loved. You're needed. It's just awesome that the Lord puts it all together. And as the church has grown and we're growing continually, as we have the privilege of reaching so many people with the gospel and loving on them and discipling you in the things of God, you are needed. You are needed to keep track of each other, to encourage one another. Try it. I was, a couple weeks ago, I was greeting on this side. And, you know, sometimes I take a while. And this gal asked me, so she turned around and, and, and said, when does this end while we're all greeting? She says, when did this end? And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe when the pastor figures out, it's time for him to get up on the stage. You know, he should, because she had no idea who I was. And I came up and I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. ah, ah, Because I like to greet. I want to meet. I, I want to walk around. And, and what I'm looking for is just that little, that, that little look in the eye. I was greeting uh, during the first service earlier and I just noticed this brother because I usually sit on this side with my family first service. This is our side. And, uh, and, and so we generally greet in this brother. i just noticed, i just noticed he's been alone. He used to sit with his wife, but he's been alone. He's been alone for a while, but it was just today God impressed upon me. Hey, bro, how you doing? I'm all right. And I'm like, you just, seems like you've been alone for a while. And he says, yeah, my wife left me three months ago. And so I started to, you know, we delayed the service so I could talk to him. I would stay over there. And you guys keep, you know, if you're wondering, where is Ed? Just keep greeting. Just keep talking. Maybe maybe you're keep talking while I'm up here. And you go, I'm not going to tell you to hey, be quiet. You know, stop serving people. It's announcement time. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Continue to love people, and maybe you need to go out into the foyer. But you know, for the most part, you don't. You know, it's you got to be led by the Lord. That's where the dynamic part of the living for Jesus is: is being led by the Lord. And so I was able to encourage, and I found out um, I found out what community group he was in. So I also got to talk to the leaders of the community group, and they've been taking really good care of him. Hey, that's the body of Christ. But you know, my heart's aching for that brother. It's not easy to have your wife leave you, man. Three months but he's standing strong. The Lord's doing a work in his life. So as we end today, as we end, what do we do? What's the practicalities? How do we handle those that strayed? What do we do? It's not just that we should do something. What do we do? Let me give you a few things before communion time here. Number one, number one, what do we do? What can we do? Number one, pray for them. Pray for them. We should pray for those that are struggling and straying, asking God to move upon their hearts. Remember Samuel? Samuel in 1 Samuel 12, verse 23, he said this, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. We should be praying for them by face, by name, in our neighborhood. Ask God, ask that God would speak to them and order things in their lives in such a way that they, they would desire to return. And so we ask for him by name and we ask for her by face, specifically and persistently. Secondly, What can we do for the strays? We can pray for them, number one. Number two, we can pray for ourselves. We can pray for ourselves. Don't look down on anyone else just because they've been trapped by the enemy. Don't look down on anyone because they're backsliding right now or they're not really walking in a strong relationship with the Lord like they were or they don't want anything to do with God. Remember we learned in Galatians chapter 6 last time, we learned that we need to consider ourselves lest we also be tempted so as we're praying for those that have fallen, we need to pray for ourselves. We can't just take the attitude, oh, I can't believe what he did. And look where she's at. No, that's not the body of Christ. That's the way the world that we live in deals with things. They love to expose. They love to shame the fallen. That's not God's heart. His heart is to restore. His heart is to receive people back. His heart, according to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. It can happen to us. Didn't we learn the phrase last week? There but by the grace of God go I. It can happen to us. It can happen to us very, very quickly. We can become very self-righteous. We can be very become very hypercritical. We can become very hypocritical. When others fall around us, it should send us to our knees. It should send us to our knees, not just for them, but also for ourselves. You know, Lord, I'm so weak. If it wasn't for your grace and mercy, Lord, that would be me, and I don't want to go down that path. Listen. One of the fastest ways to fall is to think you won't fall. One of the fastest ways to fall is to think you won't fall. Proverbs chapter 18, or excuse me, verse 18 of chapter 16 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Be careful. Number three, confront the erring person. Confront them. Remember, confrontation isn't a fight. It's not picking a fight. It is simply lovingly approaching the person with the truth. That's what we're taught by Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. That's the heart. You want to gain your brother. Go to them. Tell them. In order to turn a sinner, you have to be in their life, available and ready to be used of the Lord. Fourthly, forgive them. Forgive the repentant. This is so important. Don't miss this. Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. We don't shoot our wounded. It's unfortunate that the church, in a broader scale, has a bad reputation of kicking people when they're down. But that's not the heart of God. We accept people that have returned in Jesus and help them rebuild what the enemy has destroyed and tried to completely destroy in their lives repentance I know it's hard to deal with people that are unrepentant I understand I know it's hard to people the Bible says that God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble so what do you do when they're unrepentant you continue to pray pray for them pray for yourself and be ready be ready don't write them off wait on the Lord so your strength will be renewed this is the church of Jesus and Jesus loves to rebuild he loves to change lives so by way of review, number one, pray for them. Number two, pray for yourself. Number three, confront them, not, not in an angry way, but in a loving way. Fourthly, forgive the repentant. And finally, speak words of love and kindness to them. Speak words of love and kindness. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is so key because the enemy does such a complete thorough job of accusing the brethren. The enemy of our souls, the devil, is deceptively, discouragingly evil because he plays both sides doesn't he on the one hand he says oh go ahead it's no big deal oh that's that's old-fashioned hey this sin it's not even sin you will get away with it nobody will know and there you are wrestling with temptation and dealing with it and you make the bad decision and you're like oh man why did i do this and here i am in jail and now my wife is that and you've got all the consequences of sin and then what does the devil come up he comes right away and says you idiot how stupid are you to sin? You know, what kind of Christian are you? What do you think? And, the, and he just like, you know, when a person lives like that for a long time, it wears them down to hear the condemnation. That's why Jesus would have to tell this woman, why did he say, I don't condemn you? I believe partly because she has felt and heard the words of condemnation for a long time. And Jesus verbally was releasing her, I don't condemn you. Go, you're free sin no more. Sin no more. We need to be ready to speak words of kindness and love. I guarantee you they're hearing all sorts of things. They're hearing things like, I can't go back to church. I can't face him again. I've messed up too much. And when I do come back, what will they think? And, you know, I think I'll just go to another church, or I'll just go, and then they're just wandering around, always dealing with this cycle of condemnation, even though the Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. They need encouragement. And I will say to you, if you've wandered away from the Lord, or even have wandered away from this church or your church family, you're welcome back. Come back broken and contrite. Come back ready to be restored We receive you. We love you. You're welcome here at Calvary. Whether you're listening to this on the radio right now or you're watching on television or online right now, listen, you're welcome here. We want to work with you. We want to be used to restore you. It may take some time. It may take a lot of effort and energy, but God is in the business of restoring and rebuilding and refreshing and reconciling and redoing that which the enemy had tried to completely destroy in your life. One of the promises that have fueled me since the day I was, I was saved is the promise that God gave to the nation through the prophet Joel when he said that I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, just destroyed. I can never get those years back, the years I threw away on this world and the years I threw away in sin. But God will restore years that I threw away, and he has, and he wants to do the same work in you even if you brought it upon yourself, even if you experienced the judgment of God, listen, Jesus Christ took the judgment for your sin upon himself. And if you'll turn to him today in any condition, God will receive you and in no way cast you out. This is what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 35, verse three. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong and do not fear. He will come and save you. He came on a rescue mission, didn't he? To save you. Submit yourself to him. Watch God do a great work.
0: We've been learning how to help those who have strayed away today on Abounding Grace. This is part of Pastor Ed Taylor's series in John's Gospel. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app, Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. And we're really excited about this month's offer, a book written by Steve Carr called Married and How to Stay That Way. This book will help you determine from Scripture the practical ways to resolve your conflicts and how to stop them from reoccurring. You'll also learn what the first step should be to building a solid foundation for your marriage and give you a plan for building the relationship you're seeking. That's married and how to stay that way. We'll send it your way with a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE. Again, we're at 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our online store at Calvary.co. Dot .store. And thank you for your support. We rely on the support of our listeners to bring the teaching of God's word to stations like this every day. And you know what? We're constantly hearing from folks all over the world that are being blessed, and your gifts help to make that possible. You can donate through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. Pastor Ed, one of your points today on how we're to handle those who have strayed was to pray for them. I'm sure someone listening right now fits the description of straying away, or they know someone who is. Would you pray for them as we close? Yes,
1: Larry. I always love uh, to pray over the requests that come in. By the way, you can email us your prayer request, especially if you have prodigals or those that have strayed in your life. Text us any time of the day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. Father, I do pray for those that have strayed. And and as I'm praying, I know that there are particular people, even as I, in my mind, have a few names, that this isn't just a large mass of people, just a bunch of nameless people, but these are our brothers, our sisters, our moms, our dads, our sons, our daughters, our grandkids, uh, former in-laws that have just strayed away, strayed away from following you, listening to you, abiding in you. We pray that they would come home. And it's easy for me to pray this of those that may not be so close to me, but I do pray this, God, that you would do whatever it takes to bring them home. And We pray that in the authority of Jesus Christ's name.
0: Amen. Amen. And this is a good opportunity for me to mention our text line that we've dedicated for prayer requests. If you'd like us to pray specifically for someone that is straying or for yourself, just text that request to us at 720-336-0897. Again, that's 720-336-0897. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. We look forward to continuing the journey through John next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living.
1: This is amazing grace.